Welcome to SickCast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. This episode from the SickCast is from a live webinar that originally aired on June 19th, 2021. Thank you, everyone, for joining today's webinar hosted by the Sick Research Institute. Happy almost Father's Day. Happy Father's Day weekend. Um, today's webinar will begin with a 40-minute moderated discussion between our presenters, after which we will have 40 minutes of Q&A from the audience. So please drop your questions in the chat box and be sure to include your name and city. So we'll start uh, by giving a little introduction to today's presenters. First, we have Bhavdeep Singh. Bhavdeep Singh is a seasoned professional with over 25 years experience and has held senior executive roles in healthcare, retail, and HR. He has worked across multiple geographies and has a strong track record of building great teams while delivering exceptional results. Currently, Babdeep is the CEO of Health Quarters in New York, an exciting startup that brings together clinical care and multiple wellness providers on one platform. Govir St. Gill has over 20 years of experience working at the intersection of innovation, leadership, and business strategy. He is a co-founder and current board chair of the Save a Food Bank in Mississauga, he also serves as a board chair for the William Osler Health System Foundation and is currently serving as Sick Research Institute's interim executive director. Govier lives with his wife, children, and parents in Brampton, Ontario. Manpreet Singh has been at Barclays Investment Bank since 2008, joining the firm from Lehman Brothers as part of the takeover process. Manpreet holds a first-class BA honors in economics from the University of Cambridge and an MSc in econometrics and mathematical econ economics from LSC. He is a civic alumnus and is involved with multiple volunteer projects in the UK Sikh community. And lastly, we have Dr. Rabudaman Singh Minhas, an Indo-Canadian Sikh and development pediatrician at St. Michael's Hospital and assistant professor in the Division of Developmental Pediatrics, Department of Pediatrics at the University of Toronto. Dr. Minhas's work includes creating Punjabi Kids Health, an online family support resource for the Punjabi diaspora that supports parenting, healthcare, literacy, and parental mental health. I heard they also have a great TikTok presence. So something to look out for. I'll throw it now to Gulvirji to have our to get our conversation started. Fantastic. I'm going to record. Can you hear me? <coughs> Excellent. So uh everybody, why Gruji Kakalsa, why Gruji Kifote? Uh Welcome from a very sunny, bright, summery uh, Brampton, Ontario, where me and uh, Rupa Singh are currently uh, uh, residing. Um, it is Father's Day weekend, we'll call it that, because we're going to try to stretch this holiday out as much as possible, because, you know, our fathers are uh, deserving of all that attention and love, and, and none so much as our, our, our my three panelists today, who uh, I've known for many years, uh, uh, dear friends, and um, uh, we have already had a blast uh, catching up and uh, and kind of sharing like sharing our experiences where we're going. We're going to kind of reflect on that today. So today is going to be first and foremost full of corny dad jokes. 
and we will also try to share some insights, some reflections, our own individual journeys with coming into fatherhood and uh, and 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 always trying to bring a, a sick lens onto things. You know, the the role of fathers is is in many ways is underestimated, underappreciated, but also kind of misunderstood. Um, we we all obviously uh, uh, understand the role of mothers and and the the absolutely central role that mothers play in our upbringing, bringing us into the world and upbringing. And fathers are, you know, kind of uh, uh, oscillate between very, very close and very distant uh, during COVID, much more closer than we've ever physically probably been with our children. But the role of fatherhood has really, really changed. Um, I, I, we'll, we'll talk today about how our parents and our grandfather, our fathers and our grandfathers, uh, their approach to parenting and how it's changed for us and how we're really in the middle of a transition here generational transition, uh, diasporic transition, but also, uh, you know, COVID, like everything is, is just uh, upended everything. And so we'll, we'll reflect on all of those different things uh, as we go along and um, hope to share some tidbits. I, I, I'm going to learn from each of these because uh, uh, as my children will tell me often and, <laughs> and, and insistently, boy, I have a lot to learn about parenting. Uh, so I'm going to be taking uh, just as many notes as anybody else. Um, often as Sikri, we say we're all uh, seekers on the path. We're all learners. And I think with uh, parenting and being a father, that that certainly is the case. Nobody's ever prepared fully to be a father. And I don't think anybody fully uh, grows into their role. But before we know it, uh, you know, your children are raised and, and off on their own. And so during that journey, there's lots of things we'll bring together and gather and share there. So so with me, I'm, uh, I'm going to just open it up. Uh, it'll be very interactive very soon, but I'm going to kind of give a chance for each of you to, to say a few words. And more importantly, I, I think, tell me, I'll start, and <laughs> I was trying to figure out what order to do this, and so I'll literally do it um, geographically. So I'll start from closest to me to furthest to me. So I'll start with Rupadaman Singh and then Pavdeep Singh and then Anand Singh. Uh, tell me a little bit about your family and your fatherhood journey so far. So tell me a little bit about your upbringing and uh, your family situation, your partner, your children, what life is like right now for being a father uh, during these crazy COVID times, and we'll, we'll take it from there. So over to you, Rupadaman Singh, first. Sure. Um, so thanks so much for having me here as a part of this uh, panel. Um, I think in terms of my fatherhood journey, um, so in terms of context, I have a nine-year-old son, Faxing. Um, I'm married. Um, and when I think back on the some of the factors that help define what I think of as fatherhood or even tied to that factors around what is masculinity as a male caregiver, kind of part of that identity, I think many of us would probably think back to our own families of origin growing up. So to me, I think of my dad, I think of him um, going to work early. So as as part of many, many fathers, as a part of the diaspora, um, working hard, um, often being away. Um, and so thinking about um, that gift and sacrifice sort of piece to it. And I think that's something that I carry with me. Um, and also try to think about in terms of, you know, when I, when I was in my residency training as a physician and I was thinking about those long on-call shifts and whatnot, that was a bit of an inspiration, thinking about my dad leaving early in the morning to go drive and doing the work that he was doing as well. Um, and so I think that's part of it. And also, you know, spending time with my grandfathers. Um, and I had the fortune of having both of them um, in my in the same household as me for many years, my nanaji and my dadaji, and thinking about um, the, the their personalities and how... Um, also, the, the role of grandfathers can be so different from fathers. And when you were talking about um, earlier about what it's like, about how we're learning as fathers, I feel like some of, some of those those characteristics really season in come out as grandfathers, right? And part of it is also the responsibilities are different. Um, but yeah, it's been a big change. And I think we think about these old archetypes or um, 
around what is a father. And it used to be this hunter-gatherer, provider-protector sort of role. And I think over the years, we've started to to see more men taking on a nurturer role. Um, and I think that's that's really important um, as well. So I'll pause there. I could go on for a while. But um, I think there is an important sort of transition there that we're seeing. And even when we reflect back into significant uh, um figures in sick history as well. I think there were lots of figures there that had a good balance there when we think about some of the nurturing um, males um, as well in terms of sick history, but we can get back to that. Yeah, absolutely. Great tea up there. So good. But Vivirji, uh, speak about your your uh, your family and uh, in your in your fatherhood journey so far. Sure. Um, thank you, Kulveer, and um, uh, thank you for um, inviting me to this panel. Um, <clears throat> I've reflected quite a bit on um, on the theme and, you know, for all of us, I think we bring our individual stories and um, our learnings, plus our baggage to a conversation like this. And, you know, for me, the journey as a father um, actually starts with the journey as a son. Hmm. And, you know, growing up, my father was um, actually the very typical uh, prototype Indian father, um, which is that my mother was involved in every element of our lives, every element. Um, my mother was just an exceptional, extraordinary person who just had this massive, massive impact. And then in um, 2004, my mother passed away in a car accident. Mm. Um, you know, at that time, my father was 76 years old, and he had been the classic Indian father, you know, which was that essentially my mother did everything. And he really, you know, I remember <clears throat> going back to when I was in eighth or ninth grade, and being someplace and somebody asked my father what grade I was in. And he looked at me and said, what grade are you in again? And, and you know, he, was, he was that father. Right? He was that father. And it was very, um, January 2004, my mother passed away. And in a fairly short period of time, I saw my father change. Mm. And I saw him over a few months become a father and a mother. And, and all of a sudden, he was doing the small things that my mother used to do. It was that I'd be sitting and working and um, quietly he'd come, make a cup of tea and bring it to me. And the, the tenderness of the things that, that my mother used to do all of a sudden started to show up. And that was quite a learning for me because <clears throat> I hadn't seen that side of my father. And by that time I was a father, I had two children. Um, so I reflect on that. I reflect on uh, this Father's Day because my father passed away five months ago. Mm -hmm. um, you know, after a long uh, bout with COVID, he passed away and and so as a son, I, you know, when I think about father, I kept thinking over the last few years, I kept thinking to myself, is what I do today is potentially what my children will do tomorrow as they watch me as a son. Because they watch us, right? I mean, our children watch everything we do. And so to put them on saying, you just talked about, you know, your nana nani. And I'm sure that as your children ask you and you tell them stories about your parents, uh, they're watching, they're listening. And in many ways, um, they're taking notes. Um, so I thought that was just from a context perspective, um, I thought, you know, th there's, there's a great deal of relevance for me there and, and, um, just exactly how it manifests itself. Wow. My story is that I have two children. Um, they're adult children. Um, in, in many, 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 many things, they're far, far ahead of me, far smarter than me, far more intelligent than me. And every once in a while, they remind me of that. Um, and every once in a while, they're gracious enough to acknowledge that maybe there's a thing or two that I can still teach them. I found over a period of time, and I've thought about fatherhood quite a bit, <clears throat> and I'm always intrigued when people talk about, when I hear parents talk about being friends with their children, hmm. right? being friends with their sons. 
I don't get that. I don't, I don't get that. I, I don't know that I can ever be my children's friend. I think, it's, I think you're a parent and your role is a parent. And while my children are grown adults, every once in a while I say to them, because I said so. Because I said so. And you know, it's really interesting. I've learned over a period of time, Kulvira, and I'm a grown adult and I have adult children. Um, you know, there are still days when I say to myself, something happens and I say, daddy told me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he told me that. Mm-hmm. And the parents have a way of, of knowing what's best for their children. But I've thought about this whole idea of friendship. And, and I've, as I've thought about being a father, it's come to, over a period of time, I've, I've actually come to understand a little bit about what does, what does that look like? What does good fatherhood look like? And it actually comes down to one word for me. It comes down to relevant. Mm-hmm. Is how long can you stay relevant in your children's life? Right? How long can you be someone that matters? Beyond the politeness yeah. and the courtesy and the hanjiki ale, how are you? Can I get you something? Because that's all formality. How long can you be relevant? You know, with COVID, my children both came back home. My son, Satwan Singh and Kiran Jyotpur, and my daughter-in-law, Hanisha, they all came back home. So in the summer last year, three, four days out of the week, my son and I would play basketball. And most of the time he'd win. But every once in a while, I got one in there. <laughs> and that's... That's a part of being relevant. Because I said, if I said to him, you know, I'm not well, you know, then my relevance level goes down. <laughs> so the fight, the challenge, the push mm. to be relevant, to be able to talk to my children about what's important in their life. Mm. Every once in a while, share what's important to me. But I think it's an ongoing thing. And I continue to learn. I continue to learn. You talked about taking notes before. Look, the reality is I, I learn things from new, new fathers. I learn things from all the people around me because it is, it is about the world is changing so fast. Our children are changing so fast. Everything that used to be cool 10 days ago is not so cool today. Everything that's cool today is not going to be cool 10 days from now. How do you stay relevant? How do you continue to be a factor in children's lives? And that's what I work on. I work hard at it. Um, sometimes I succeed. Sometimes Wonderful. I wow. Thank you. Thank you for Lots of uh, lots of interesting points we're going to come back to on there. And this point of being relevant and mattering is important. Um, uh, Manpreet Singh, you don't have as much of a challenge because you have a 15-month-old. So you're very much relevant <laughs> and uh, and involved. Uh, so tell me about your journey uh, into fatherhood uh, over the last over the last uh, last year and a half. Yeah, no, look, I mean, look, it's been great to hear the, the previous two testimonies. There's a lot of interesting observations there. And I think... You know, what I would say is obviously I'm a, a slightly different path of the journey versus those two. So as a result, my perspectives are also somewhat different uh, just in terms of how I view fatherhood and, and the position that I'm in. I think, you know, clearly having become a dad through the COVID period, it's certainly been both a blessing and a curse. I mean, in the sense that we've been able to spend, as I'm sure everyone on this call can attest, an unprecedented amount of time with our kid, which you know, potentially you would not have had the opportunity to do in other times. And I think that's been an illuminating process, I think, in two ways. Number one, that bond that it enables you to build with the child because you're there day in, day out with them and you're being able to spend that most valuable of commodities, which is time. And I think number two, actually, also getting an appreciation for what it takes to raise a child because I think, you know, in the social construct which we've been in for the last, say, 50 to 100 years where you have had this mechanic whereby, you know, the dad goes out, the dad works, the mum stays at home. I'm not saying that's necessarily been the case in every culture throughout history, but certainly for us 
in the in the specific environments in which we've been exposed in recent history, that has very much been the the norm. And I think as a result, you know, you don't really understand or you don't really see what it takes to bring up a child. And I think it's given me a deep appreciation for what my parents did when I was growing up and also a deep appreciation for what my wife does and the various things that she's had to go through. And I think being there through that process, through the early months and seeing the child develop, you know, and they develop so quickly in that first year, I think it's definitely been illuminating. It's been very enjoyable. And I think, you know, it's changed my perception in terms of how I view my own parents and also how I view, you know, the contributions of all of those who, who are caregivers in those early years, which are so formative for their children. So I think in that sense, it has been a blessing and a silver lining on what's been a very, very great cloud for so many people over this period. Uh, but that is definitely something that I feel grateful for, that I've had the opportunity to spend that time. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I actually want to double click on that because it's it's been one I've been thinking about a lot because um, I have two boys, uh, Mokum Singh and Saib Singh, and they're 10 and 8. And uh, my life before COVID was a just a whirlwind of of global travel and coming in and out. And um, my my children on occasion more than once called me FaceTime daddy because I was unfortunately, you know, traveling quite a bit. <laughs> and, and, and I'd always reconciled this around, and COVID really made me think about it differently, is that yes, there's a quantity of time that matters. Of course, Lee, that's precious time. But it is also the quality of time that matters and what you do during that time. And and I'm going to ask Ripudaman uh, about this perspective is that, you know, uh, because I think in many ways, if you look at history, fathers are spending, even pre-COVID, fathers were spending far more time with their son, with their children than ever before in history. But that always wasn't adding up. The children still growing up with the same challenges and everything like that. And I'll also bring a sick element into it that, um, you know, I, I'm learning about that, you know, it's good to think about their uh, 400th birth uh, anniversary this year. And I'm reading about his life. And you look about, you know, he gave birth to his son was one of the most incredible individuals of all time with Guru Gobind Singh Ji, he spent so little time with his son, physically. He was only with him for a very short period of time uh, uh, before his Shihidi. And it just got me thinking, of course, quantity matters, but maybe speak to the quality of, of interaction of parenting and fatherhood and how that's changed and how you're trying to reflect that in your life and, and what COVID's done to that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when we think about quantity and quality, and I'm thinking from a parenting science and research standpoint as well, um, in an age where even if we're physically present, we may not be psychologically, cognitively, emotionally present. And so I know one of the biggest things... <laughs> These things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so that's one of the, the biggest interventions that helps is being present. So turning off the screens, um, concentrating a specific time, right? So um, especially if, if your child's able to understand scheduling and, and time periods and being able to say, you know what... Um, even if I'm working from home, so again, physically present, but not being able to engage during that time, can we say that every every day or every Friday at 7 to 8 is going to be our time together, or bedtime and bath time is going to be time with, with dad? Um, and so that that helps to you as well to be able to say that's the time where quality is going to matter, and yeah. um, something the child can look forward to as well, and there's some reliability um, as well as a part of that. So I think um, being able to pre-schedule that in, giving them something that they can look forward to as well um, is really important. But certainly that quality piece and what you do with it is so important. A lot of it doesn't need to be planned. A lot of it is just that organic being in the same place at the same time. Uh, we were talking earlier about our journeys from, um, this is a bit of a tangent, but our journeys from 
uh, being sons to dads as well. So some of the best time that I have with my father, who I think might be watching right now, um, is our, our car drives or our walks where you're just in parallel um, and uh, are there. And that's maybe sometimes when some of those conversations grow as well. And so allowing some of that to happen um, and setting that pattern early in childhood, I think is really important. Yeah, I, I always, uh, you know, used to joke about uh, my Canadian friends who would go on fishing trips with their dad. I'm like, what do you do? You sit, what do you do? You sit in a boat. What do you do? Nothing. We just sit there. And what ends up happening is you eventually talk and eventually do something. By So I have, I've learned the value of the bike rides and the car rides as, as spaces to do that. But, you know, but the thing I wanted to ask you about this is that, you know, you've gone through this journey. You know, what kind of you know that around the quality time, and I know your I know your children have grown up to be amazing individuals, amazing six. They've grown up with that that sicky in them. How how did you really embed that routine into your household, into your lives? Because it's something we struggle with, right? You know, finding time with the kids for Kita and for Bart every day, trying to get that routine going and, and creating that sicky quality as well. In addition to everything else, maybe speak a little bit about what what what's worked for you, what hasn't, and and how you've kind of tried to make maintain a balance in all that. Um, and it's an interesting question because I think one of the things that, if you reflect upon that for a minute, being a parent, um, like any good relationship, um, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, yeah. right? And um, so very often, you know, quite honestly, like any like any parent, like any father, um, you know, my wife and I went through the period of time where, you know, everything was sicky, sicky, sicky. You know, you, you just kind of you know, pounded in them. Uh, and in many ways, by the way, that's how I was raised. When we came to this country, there was nobody here. Yeah. There were no six. The entire New York area where there's something like 45 gudwaras today, there's one gudwara with about 30 people in it. So my mother had a very, very strong, rigid approach around it. And and that's that's how we started. That's how I started. We have Kirtan playing all the time. You know, my mother used to talk about um, the environment. And um, even before my son was born, the room he's going to be in Kirtan all the time, you know, build the environment you know, build a, uh, build a very peaceful space for the child to grow. And, you know, by the time my son was um, two and a half, three years old, Satwan Singh, he was playing tabla with me in public. And, you know, he was able to carry a beat. So he actually, I would do kirtan in public, he would play tabla with me from the time he was two and a half, three years old, li- literally two and a half, three years old. Because everything was sicky, 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 and push, mm-hmm. push, push. And what was interesting was that, that, you know, so long as you're providing, so long as you have a very sheltered, contained environment, that, that actually works quite well. Mm-hmm. It actually works quite well. Um, but then this thing called school gets in the way, <laughs> right? And neighbors and, and outside distractions. And, and that started to happen. And as my son got older, um, you know, the whole, I started to realize that because I had a tough time, I came to this country when I was very young and I went through a lot of, you know, a lot of crap when I was growing up. And I started realizing that the best way to do this was to start having fun with this and to mm. start engaging my child in a way that, um, that he could become comfortable around who he was before before anybody else could. Yeah. And so by the time he was five or six, I used to make fun of him for the Jura. You know, and I used to be across the hall and I'd say, hey, you, you with the thing on your head, Alibaba. And I used to say that. Because if you heard his dad say it, it wouldn't sound so bad if somebody else said it. Mm. Bringing some conditioning around it. And that was Kulbir, quite honestly, it wasn't one of 40, 50, 60 hours I spent in the week with him. It was one of six or seven hours, maybe one of eight, 10 hours a week. Yeah. So the impactful time that you can have with your children. And that that continues today. Could be like you, I was working internationally. I've been, out of the last 12 years, I've worked internationally for the last eight years. Yeah. But I talked to my children three, four, five times a week. Mm-hmm. I texted my children every single day and knew exactly what was going on. 
So I think it's a choice. I think it's a choice in terms of what you want to do. You know, I, I don't, um, without, without, without making any judgmental statement about anybody or anything, I think it's a choice. It's a question of what priority do you put on it. Yeah. And, you know, there are days, Kulveer, when, when, um, when I go the entire day <laughs> and, and I have passing thoughts of my children because I'm so busy or I'm running around or whatever it might be. And then there are days I wake up in the morning and I say, I know now why I'm here on this planet. Mm. My purpose of being here is to be a father. Yeah. But it's a mix. And, the, and it's over a period of time. Yeah. My children are adults and I'm still working at it. You know, this whole notion of they're 18, they're 21, they're married, it's all crap. <laughs> it's every day. Mm. It's every day. And I mean every day as of last night. Yeah. As of last night. As of the day before. As of the day before. Mm. And I think you have to do it over a period of time in a way that's sustainable, consistent, but also credible that the children accept it as being real value and not just going through the motions because they, they see through the motions so quickly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A very, very quick story. My son used to play tabla with me and this is going way, way back when he was four or five years old. His name is Satwan Singh. And one day he comes to me and says, Aau, Papa, kirtan kari. And I was watching a game. And um, I said, but you give me a minute, give me a minute. And he came back to me five minutes later. He said, Aajau, Papa, kirtan kari. I said, but yeah, I'm busy right now. Game finished. I went to him. I said, and that's, that's an exact conversation because at that point he had no time for me. So I think that, I think our children watch. I don't think it's about how much time you spend. It's the quality of time, the sincerity with which you do it. Yeah. And consistency over a period of time. Yeah. I, uh, one of the most uh, moments in my life that kind of, you know, your children say these hit, hit you uh, between the eyes kind of moments or, um, there was a moment like that where the the boys needed us and both me and my wife were, were doing something, of course, very important on our phones or something. Right. And <laughs> doing there. And at one point my son walks away. He was only four or five. He was mommy and daddy loved their iPhones more than they loved their children. <laughs> and, and he said it with a, with a smirk. He's a snarky guy like me, but, but it kind of, you know, five years later, six years later, I said, well, I, you know, that's a moment. That's something that obviously I don't, want to be the case not the true but but to your point of being present being there for them so i i you know i reflect on that a lot um you know manpreet singh i'm always uh, this is great i love coming kind of back to the beginning now because you're here you know we have we have somebody on the other end of the journey but you're coming across and you know we met through uh sikri and through the siddhik experience which was kind of very kind of immersive experience and i know you've been going on your sikhi journey i love to kind of get your thinking now is that you know you're with your daughter how are you starting to think about building this kind of sense of Sangat in the home, the sense of grounding in Sikhi, you know, this, this nurturing kind of fear there. Are you, how, and how's the Sikhi kind of inform, informing the way you're parenting right now? Are you thinking about it actively or are you still in the crazy phase of just trying to get through the days with, with your daughter? No, it's a good question. I mean, I think the earlier you start to think about some of these things, the better it is because ultimately, you know, I think both my wife and I, you know, one of the, key things that we do want to try and achieve with our children is to pass on that value and that love for Sikhi because ultimately we believe that's going to be the best thing which is going to enable that child to navigate the world ocean as Guruji puts it and and live a productive life to the maximum of their potential and so you know we spend a lot of time thinking about how do we build that love for Sikhi within the child and I think there are a range of ways in which you can do that. I think of living in today's world is that there are ample resources that you can point on to achieve that. So, for example, some of the children's books that they have to sort of encourage that interest or love for Sikhi from a young age, yeah. 
is it's fantastic. I mean, it's much better than what I remember when I myself was growing up. Yep. You know, there are things which are very specifically geared towards children. Um, you know, there's one we were reading the other day, the, the Good is Adventure or something along these lines. And, you know, my daughter, Giardacord, she loves that book. You know, she's already very naturally going towards it. She's starting to forget a base level of familiarity with concepts such as who the goodies were, you know, this idea that they're connected to the divine, they're in everything, everyone, you know, Waheguruji is everywhere. And, you know, you start to see a little bit of that, even from a very young age, you can see them start to build that degree of familiarity with it. So I think there's a things you can do from a from an early age in terms of building that familiarity through toys, books, whatever it might be. I think Babdeep Singh made a good point earlier, which is, you know, ideally you want to have an environment where they start to get at least passively exposed to some of these concepts. So doing bard with the child, you know, even if they don't understand, well, clearly they don't understand everything that's going on, but they see, okay, at this particular point of the day, mommy and daddy do this and they're doing that every day. So it starts to become almost part of their routine. You know, it's it's part of the process in the same way that You'll have your bedtime routine. You'll have other routines. And I think that's the key in terms of institutionalizing some form of structure around it, which enables them to embed it within their own day. And I think you have to be thoughtful about that, create that, and, and then sustain it. I mean, the other observation I would just make, actually, and I think yeah. it's important to, to sort of take note of this when we consider this, is that, you know, for all that we might try and do, we also have to remember that ultimately, you know, we need to live in Hukum and... You know, a lot of this is ultimately within Guru's gift. And, you know, if you look through Sikh history itself, I mean, it's quite it's quite interesting because, you know, obviously there are there are, there are multiple inspirational stories. But we should also remember that, for example, Guru Harai excommunicated his elder son, Ram Lai. You have Prithi Jand, you know, very troublesome character within the Sikh fund. <laughs> he was the son of Guru Ram Das. Yeah. You know, even Guru Nanak Dev Ji's own sons ultimately went off down a different path, which is why he, you know, passed on the Guruship to Bhai Lenaji and Guru Angad Devji. And so I think we always need to remain cognizant that whilst, you know, we are ultimately going to make the efforts that we are going to make to try and foster that love, you know, ultimately without Guru's Gitbar and without Maharaj's grace, you know, those efforts are, you know, those efforts are limited in terms of what impact they may have. You know, you do, you do need to have that additional aspect in order for this to happen. I mean, of course, you know, we should all endeavor to do our utmost and do the right thing. But, you know, I have seen in many instances, you know, parents who are deeply committed, they did all the right things, quote unquote. And, you know, the kids just elected to go down a different path. And, you know, ultimately, I think that is just a function of life. That is hukum. And so what I would say is, you know, whilst, you know, we can talk about, you know, what are the different things that we can do? We should never forget that, you know, as good as you put it itself, you know, the jaw isn't necessarily residing just with us. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. I, and I actually, I think I, this leads to my question for for Ripadaman is around, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's like a, uh, I know Ripadaman is a gardener as well, right? The gardening analogy is that you can't actually make the flower grow, right? The flower <laughs> is going to do what the flower, the tree is going to do what it's do. But all what you have control over is the environment. You know, where you plant it, the amount of light it gets, the watering, the shade, the weeding, all those different control, all those other variables in your control at the end of it. If those go well, the plant prospers and nourishes. Otherwise, that's there. So maybe what's the science say, uh, Dr. Rupa, that was saying around, you know, creating a nurturing environment, helping children kind of realize their destiny and and kind of 
hopefully it's it's one that is falling within the realm of of, of possibilities that we as parents would, would love to consider, but ultimately don't have the control over there. So how do we kind of this nature, nurture, control, environment, where, where, where's the science say that we should be really, you know, we, could, we should be putting our efforts or our intentions as parents? Yeah, and that reminds me of this quote, which is um, something along the lines of children are not things to be molded, but rather people to be unfolded. And mm -hmm. so kind of watching them unfold and your job is to support them with that in terms of what's already predestined within them. Um, and when we think about, from a parenting science standpoint, what are those experiences that help in terms of long-term um, benefit, whatever that means. Um, but there, there are these studies that were called the positive childhood experience studies, and they were a corollary to something that's quite famous that's called the adverse childhood experience studies. And so we know that there are certain early experiences, um, including abuse, physical, emotional, sexual, neglect, household dysfunction, um, which we know lead to down the road um, behavioral challenges, uh, mental health challenges, economic challenges, and even physical challenges, like a higher likelihood of even cancer if you've had those experiences. And then on the flip side, when we think about positive experiences and what we can do, there are some key features that come up, and I have them written down. But um, So it's asking children, or the idea is in these studies, they ask grown-ups to look back and say, was I able to talk to my family about my feelings? Does my family stand by me during difficult times? Um, did I feel supported by my friends? Did I enjoy participating in community traditions and, and activities? Um, did I have a sense of belonging, especially during my adolescent years um, as well? And then did I have two non-parent adults who took a genuine interest in me? Mm. Um, so that's really interesting when we think about concepts of Sangat, right, which we were talking about earlier, and who are, who are those influences outside of mom and dad as well? Um, but that that plays such an important part in that energy and the the, the factors that are outside of you from a physical health standpoint as well, long term. If I go through that list of, of things that are there, you know, the 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 non parental support, the supportive environment, a place to be, question, explore, do those things, non judgmental, all those different things. But deep thing, I can't help but think you've uh, you've engineered the perfect space with Camp Chartikala. Uh, and you've been running that for many years uh, as your family, as your pride point, your children have grown up in it. I, I would love for you to speak about the role, you know, for all of us, <laughs> rightly or wrongly, I can't wait for the COVID camps to come back because the post COVID to finish and all the different camps to start up because they were such a crucial part of my upbringing, my connection. I, the very first, I always say that the very first calls to school camp I went to in, in Calgary when they came by uh, one week into the camp transformed my life. Uh, received Amrith and never looked back, and and I and I look at that as such critical junctures, and I'm trying to create those spaces for my children. Uh, what 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 is the magic of camps and and that sense of sangat that we've been able to create in the diaspora here, and and how does that transform the children and their Sikhi experience and their overall upbringing? Well, it's funny. I think you hit on you you actually hit the point right on the, um, the nail on the head when you talked about sangat. Hmm. Right. I mean, you know, we talk about sangat now. You know, a 15 year old doesn't call it sangat; he calls it the people I hang out with. And um, and camp did exactly that for me. I went to the very, very first camp that was held in this country 40-some um, years ago, one of 52 children in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm. And it was funny, we came back, when we came back from the camp, um, you know, we apart from, you know, we, we met a lot of young people like us who were going through the same types of things yeah. that we were going through. So the idea of sharing ideas, sharing an experience. And <clears throat> we, we had our first exposure to American Six. And, you know, understanding 
uh, Sikhi from a different different perspective. I'd heard the Chali Mukta story a hundred times and, and never got it, right? Till I had a white guy, a man named Gurbanna Singh, explain to me about how 46 left, right? Left and, and lost faith in the Guru and how they came back, hmm. right? And how, how in, in, in my language, in words that I could relate to. Because to this day, to this day, while, while there's so much going on, there's so many wonderful things going on with camp. And there are many, many wonderful initiatives that many Gudwars have undertaken. But the reality is, and you know, thanks to Sikhi to the max, there's lots of stuff we can understand now that we didn't. But much of what happens in the Gudwar is still beyond the children, still beyond their, you know, goes over their head. Um, so it doesn't connect. So I think that creating the right environment, I've always said that, um, and you know, this is philosophically, I've had this view for a very, very long time, that, that if, you, if you go to camp and learn something, that's a bonus. That's a bonus. You're actually not supposed to learn anything at camp. <laughs> camp should give you the impetus to go learn. Yeah. Because what camp does is create a sangha, right? The idea that the children come to camp and in one week get transformed, you know, anything that's too good, feels too good to be true is probably too good to be true. Yeah. It takes time. Yeah. It takes time. It takes a connect that, that get built over there. And I would tell you, could be like you, um, my best friends, some of my best friends in life are people that I met at camp. Some of the best lessons I've learned around Sikhi are things that happen at camp. The sangha, the support. You know, I've talked to many, many people who, you know, who've come out of camp. And, you know, if you look at the Northeast in the U.S. where, you know, the camps that our family's been involved in and many, many other families as well. You know, the, the um, Ravi Bhallas of the world. And, um, you know, if you, if you just think about, um, you, know, um, you know, the upbringing and, and the fact that he came out of the camp environment, if you look at Gurbir, who's the attorney general of New Jersey, same, you know, a lot of the camp environment. So the camps have done a wonderful job, whether it's here in New York, whether it's in Washington, whether it's Kuldeep Uncle in, in, um, in Michigan, Ohio, and now in Florida. Um, IGS has done some wonderful work on the West Coast. I mean, it doesn't really matter who's running it. It's just that building and creating an environment. And, and what happens is that I think for a lot of our children, they go there and they come back and, and, and they, apart from the friend network they build, they come back and say, you know, I met somebody who knows what they're doing. Mm. I met somebody who actually understands the message yeah. that's been delivered. And, and that happened, and I shared this a little bit earlier, that happened with my son. He went to a camp in Canada a few years back. And he came back from the camp, and, um, and um, he was talking about the camp and, and what happened at camp and how it went. And um, he said, I met this really great, you know, one of the teachers there was a really cool guy. And um, he started talking about how cool this person was, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and he had said this. And he said, Dad, you got to meet this guy. He's really great. And, and I finally, I said, <laughs> I said, what's this really cool guy's name? Um, and it was our dear friend Kulveer Singh here. Uh, and that's what my son was talking about. And, and that kind of impact yep. is important. My, one, one very quick, my, my daughter is Kiran Jodhkaur. Um, young ladies growing up at six are looking for role models. Yep. They're looking for role models who can actually, because, you know, the sick guy story is a well-known story, right? Thing on your head, Pagadi, Dadi, you know, Judah, the whole bit, you know, all the stuff we go through. But the Sikh core, the young core struggle is a quiet one. Mm -hmm. And my daughter, Kiran Jyot, has gone to multiple camps and she's attended multiple, um, not just the camp here, but other camps around the country. And she's looking for role models. Mm -hmm. She's looking for somebody to, that I can look to and say, this is somebody who's living Sikhi the way a Sikh core should live. Right? And without, without going into the details, my daughter has found different role models. Every once in a while, I go into a room and she's, she's singing the Shabbat. I said, but where'd you learn that Shabbat? And she'll play some tape of some BB who's doing Kirtan. And she said, this is such and such. Because she's looking for yeah. those types of role models. And I think that's where, apart from the Sangat, apart from the Sangat, our children, whether they say it or not, whether they are shared or not, they're all looking for role models. Can I be that person? Can I do what they've done? 
Can I be successful and effective? Can I be another Manpreet Singh who's a young guy, right? Who's who's doing so well professionally. He's got a pagadi dadi. You know, can I be some BB who's a successful core, who's living by... I think all those things matter in a big, big way as well. Yeah. And that's what I think the institution of camps and Sangat have given our children. And I, I love the idea that, you know, in a week... Uh, the success of a camp is is planting the seed of curiosity that they desire to go on the journey on their own that they're not sitting there waiting for everything to be done to them but they they now next time they have a choice of what they're going to listen to what they're going to watch what they're going to read they choose a path step closer to the guru and that that they start taking it and it's not their parents journey or somebody else it's it's their own journey there so i want to touch on the core aspect as well because i uh and this is one where uh, Rupadaman and I have less experience uh, raising sons. But Manpreet Singh, you know, uh, I'm sure you and your, your your wife have have considered that. You know, you have a young core now, and how how are you considering that uh, the the upbringing of her, the special attention, the thought, um, maybe a bit of the fear that you also have around you know raising a young woman in in this environment, this core, how to, and then you know tapping into the sikhi as a source of strength or how are you how are you navigating all that or starting to think about that that uh, and and also maybe drawing upon your camp and civic experience those kind of things that go into it so maybe reflect on that a little bit yeah that's a great question i mean i think what i will say is i think there is obviously ample inspiration which you can draw on from within the sikh tradition because from a religious perspective it's evident and it's very clear within sikhi around how the equality between men and women should operate and you know how how that ought to be infused into daily living and even the way in which that's been formalized through and the way in which six ought to live but clearly there are cultural components to the circumstances that a lot of women have historically faced within the Punjabi community and South Asian community more generally and actually even outside of that you know I mean sometimes people forget that you know even in uh, countries which are, you know, allegedly super modern today, the whole concept of female rights is relatively recent. I mean, in the UK, you know, it was only in the 1990s that it became illegal for a man to rape his wife. And, you know, we shouldn't forget that there's been a lot of movement within a very short period of time, and there are still a lot of problems that need to be navigated and need to be overcome. And look, I think that does create a consideration in your mind, but equally, you know, I don't think that Sikhi is a path which encourages one to be fearful or want to have apprehension. I think, you know, we definitely want to bring up our daughter, you know, with the with with the very clear mentality and ethos that there is no, you know, there's no differentiation from a gender perspective. And that ultimately we hope that that becomes instilled within her and part of who she is. And you know, I think that that is something that we definitely look to aim for in, in our achievements. I think you know, in terms of how it relates to some of the things that we've seen within the camps that I've attended. I mean, I do think that, you know, we live in a in a fortunate era in the sense that, you know, I think about, you know, my experience at Siddiq. You know, there are very many hugely inspirational, very impressive women that I met at Siddiq, and it was relatively balanced from a gender perspective. I think these spaces do exist increasingly for sick women in perhaps a way that they didn't 20, 30 years ago. Um, although that might be unfair on 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 the circumstances at the time, I can't really comment because I wasn't around. <laughs> um, but um, but you know, I do feel like there is a growing awareness around the fact that historically there has been a little bit of a disconnect potentially yep. between what we are supposed to do from a religious perspective and what's actually happened in practice. And yep. I think that people are now at least all bought into the idea that you know that's 
very clearly wrong and we need to address and we need to alleviate that issue yeah. and you know that that is that's very much you know the, the spirit in which we hope to bring up our own daughter yeah i i want to that, that was beautifully said uh, i i Rupert, them and I, I guess I want you to reflect on the other side of that. Um, you're raising a, a, an amazing son with Daig Singh, and uh, I would, I would, I haven't heard you say, it, but I would, I would go and say that you and your wife are very, both of you are very, you know, very, uh, uh, I would say, very strong and assertive feminists, and and really working for for gender equality, equality, and all right. You know, the role of of fighting for equality is as much a fight for and as much more uh, amongst the amongst the men and the sings in our community as well as as we have a role to play so i want to maybe have you touch on that that you know our, our sons are going to be born with the privilege of being men uh and yes while uh the culturally and and uh, ethnically there may be some other stigmas there but how do we but they're also going to grow in an affluent homes hopefully good educations everything then that how are we raising our sons our, our children but especially our sons to be be allies um, I, I really struggle with this that, uh, you know, I've actually noticed that I'm like, you know, often my son has been, you know, had we've all had kind of incidences with bullying and we've, we've resolved it. But often I've, I've had the sense of, well, what if my son is the bully or what if my son is watching the bully and being a bystander to this or a perpetrator of this? So how, how are you thinking about making sure that our, our, our sons, especially, but our children are very much allies, are are active voices in this as six should be. We're never meant to be passive and, and bystanders on that. What, what, what's the environment say about that and the science say about this? So it's important to have those conversations early um, and openly, I think in a developmentally appropriate but honest way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talk a lot about different types of equity at home and certainly gender equity has been a, a theme uh, we've been talking about over the years. And part of that I think is important for that child, that individual as they grow up to recognize in these various dimensions that the world has created around whether you're centered or marginalized, privileged or disadvantaged, where do you sit? Uh, And so recognizing your privilege and position and power within society and how how that can be leveraged to make space for others who may not have that, um, how that experience is different. And it's important to talk about history and to talk about um, our history as six, our history um, with what things were like for our mothers and grandmothers um, and what we'd like to see change um, as well. So I think it's really important to have those conversations. Luckily, there's more resources out there in the form of, you know, social stories and board books starting early on that we can have some of these conversations. Um, but I think having that as a space for home at home to be able to talk about that, to explore it, um, including in early years and play in books, like I was saying. And then um, I think the other piece that uh, Babdeep Singh Baji was talking about is around modeling, right? So um, kids learn by watching us more than they learn from listening to us. And so I think um, looking inward around what are what are our behaviors, how do we interact with society as well, and what is the tone that we're setting um, for our, our sons and, and daughters as well. Yeah, no, I'm finding the conversations are happening and because we're at home now and, and we can spend more time on it. But, um, you know, my, my sons have developed this strange habit of um, pre-dinner watching the news. Uh, they'll go on YouTube and they'll find, they'll watch news clips. And the news clips are of, you know, we're in Canada, they're in, you know, Black Lives Matter, Indigenous reconciliation, Islamophobia, farmers protests, all these different things are happening in there. And what I'm finding is it's, it's, um, they're, it's creating great space 
for discussions. And, and, you know, I think for me, it's always been, well, we're always going to share the facts. So you get a full story. And then it's, what do you think? How should we respond as Canadians as six, what should our response be? And I'm finding that it's becoming a, a challenging space actually, because our kids are feeling the injustice in the world and also the frustration of what to do about it. And I think that's, that's really important because kids are inundated with information and I think it's important and it's important as, as families and parents to help filter and process some of that. Yep. Um, but when we think about everything that's going on in the world, and especially depending on, again, your child's level, thinking about what can they do? So is there something, are they feeling kind of upset with it? Is It can be overwhelming if you feel powerless because this is happening around you. So is there something in your own backyard that could happen? And so I know at home with Dixon, we were talking about that with um, everything that was happening with the farmers' protests. Um, as well, and feeling powerless about people who look like you that are going through these injustices um, and uh, are part of our families at, at times as well. And what can we do? And so part of that was, is it raising awareness? Is it doing a, a presentation for your class? Is it doing some fundraising locally? Because then that helps you feel like there is something that you can do. There is hope. And I yep. think that part of our role as, roles as, as fathers is, is to help instill hope and to help children understand really what is the role that you can play in society as well. Um, so I think I think thinking about that as that information comes in, if there is that impetus to try to act on it, really, can we help give them some of those tools? Yeah, yeah. helping find outlets, uh, contextualizing and helping find outlets for expression and working their way through it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, uh, this kind of lends to another topic that I think as, as fathers, we've all, well, as sons, we've all felt this from our parents at different points around. So what are you going to do with your life exactly, right? Uh, you know, we, and we've all kind of, I'm sure... Well, one of them actually, one of us succumbed to the pressure of becoming a doctor. So that was, that was ripped them. And hopefully that was by choice and not just by force. But uh, a question for Pavdeep Singh is around career. I, I wanted to I spend a couple of minutes on that because, because, you know, this starts, it's unbelievable how quickly the pressure for this starts now, right? Around education, getting into a good school, top school marks, you know, is, is your four-year-old coding or not, or what's happening and have they learned all the skills and, and things there? And, and this, and I was always, and I know in the UK, there's this, you know, it starts very early, right, of streaming you into a particular career path that you want to go on. And, and you know, while I think none of us are as as uh, pressurizing as our fathers probably were with this around, I'm still, there's there's a navigation there that we need to encourage that we still want our children to achieve, but but helping them find it. So, but Vipsing, I know your, your, your son, I know it well, and he's had... He's had some really interesting career choices already and what he's doing in his life and stuff. How, how did you navigate that conversation with your children, you know, from a Sikhi lens of them doing something that matters, that's relevant, that that's satisfying to them. And, and at the same time, still being able to take care of themselves and do something noteworthy. How, what, what's the conversation you had around careers growing up with your children? You know, the career conversation in the, um, in the Singh household started fairly early, uh, just because, um, it's something that's always been a priority for me. And, um, once upon a time, you know, um, you know, when, when, when LinkedIn first started, uh, for my children, quite honestly, you know, both my children um, were on LinkedIn from the time they were in 10th, 11th grade. We always thought about careers. We always thought about what are you going to do and networking and start understanding how, how the world works. And, you know, just because as a professional, I've spent a good bit of time in HR. Um, I've had a lot of conversations about, you know, how do you position yourself? You know, what do you want to study? And what's that going to do for you as you go forward? So fast forward. Um, my, um, my son <clears throat> works for the NBA, the National Basketball Association. Um, my daughter works with a PhD. Uh, she's in the paid social. And my daughter-in-law works for Samsung. 
Um, and we, you know, we're, <laughs> we're the classic Zoom family. Um, you know, when the kids came back, you know, apart from making sure that we got more groceries coming in, we had to up the Wi-Fi strength of the house because at any given time you had four or five Zoom meetings going on. And, you know, Manpreet, that's the kind of stuff you have to look forward to. Um, you know, as your children get older and maybe Rupadaman Singh might be already starting with you and Kulbir, I'm sure, for you as well. Uh, but we, you know, quite honestly, um, you know, career is not, let's sit down and talk about career. Um, you know, careers, it's a way of life. I mean, that's what we talk about. And, you know, I, I struggle with Kulbir. I struggle with the idea of find something that's meaningful, um, find something that aligns. I think that <laughs> you have to find meaning in whatever you're doing, mm. um, whether you're a doctor. Um, you know, my when, when the whole Black Lives Matter, you know, what, what happened last year, uh, my daughter uh, got very, very involved. My, you know, we used to have some really passionate conversations at the dinner table about what was happening in the country. Um, and, you know, as a Sikh, you can't help. As a father, I couldn't help interject and say the Sikhi view in this, which is that, yes, of course, Black Lives Matter. Of course, we need to educate ourselves. And we would have lots and lots of discussions and conversations. But, you know, again, the, the, the Sikh in me and the father in me couldn't help but say, you know, also it, learn and educate what, what we went through as a community. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The challenges we've had. And at the same time, because the gurus, I mean, what's become so relevant and so so widely understood by the world is the concept of seva and doing for others, which is what the Sikh Panth has been getting even more and more recognition for. So certainly do that, but get, get involved. And so my daughter got very, very involved in Black Lives Matter, got very engaged, very involved, was a passionate, outspoken person in her organization. Uh, my son, um, my son working at um, um, in his role at the NBA, um, even very recently with all the COVID challenges that he's had, he's been sending letters out to his colleagues at the NBA. Well, hey, look what's going on in India. Yeah. Look what's happening with, with um, the farmers and, and whatever the issues might be. So I think that whether, whether you know, whether um, you work for the NBA PhD or my daughter who's at Samsung, who's been doing similar things, or if you're at the Sikh Coalition, right? Or if you work with the Peace Corps or if you're a doctor, you're, I think the question is, how do you bring your values into what you do? Yep. How do you bring your values into how you interact with people? Because quite honestly, the challenges in the, in the corporate world, the challenges in the professional world, you know, th this whole line around drawing a line, this work-life balance stuff, you know, it's, it's just not there. It's really about all coming together. And how do you bring meaning? How do you bring values? And how do you, how do you continue to educate people? Kovir, I can tell you that 15, 20 years ago when we started talking about Bisaki, A, I started taking Bisaki off, but B, I started telling people why I wasn't around on April 14th. Sure. Taking the day off as a forgive me, right? this is the New Yorker and me, just taking the day off as a cop-out. Yeah. Right? I got a holiday. That doesn't work, right? <laughs> why am I taking the day off? Yeah. Right? Send out a broadcast email that this is why I'm taking the day off. It's Baisakhi and I want you to, and just as I wish you Merry Christmas, when you see me, please wish me happy Baisakhi. Yeah. Right? That is where I think it starts to come together. That is how you bring meaning. So it doesn't matter to me whether you're a coal miner or a doctor or a professional athlete, yeah. bring meaning, bring your sikhi with you, bring all your values with you, and take bring back what you learn from others as well. So I think if you can do that in an effective way, look, we're so fortunate that we have so many, so many, so many young people that are just gonna, they're gonna do just exceptional, amazing things. I am convinced to this day, and I've said this to anybody who listens, and now that I, I have an audience, I'm gonna say it here as well. It's very, very possible that within my lifetime, and, and I have less time than Manpreet does, right? In my lifetime, that a Sikh will hold a meaningful, a significant um, position in this country. Canada, you guys are pretty close already. It's very likely that it could happen here as well. So 
I just think that there's so much happening so fast. Good Lord, uh, bring it on. Bring your sakhi with you. Bring your values with you. Come in. Go big or go home, but do it with everything intact. Fantastic. Well, thank you. I, I can only imagine you giving that speech at the front of a camp with uh, with, uh, with a couple hundred boys, <laughs> children there, and riling them up uh, to go take on the world. That's that's fantastic. Um, I, I'm I'm uh, just uh, encouraging uh, all of our um, viewers today, uh, and I want to call them not just viewers but participants. I've seen some good conversation happening in the chat, uh, but also any any questions that you have for any of the panelists or any musings. Uh, please jump in there because I think it's, uh, uh, you know, we could talk to ourselves all day, but, uh, you know, we're doing this for for everyone who's who's on the, the webinar as well. So so I, I'm going to, I've been kind of going in rotation, if you hadn't noticed, around each of you, but I want to kind of draw in a few more questions around all of you. Just, it, it's, um, we've kind of talked about the upside, the potential there, but but of, of being a parent, being a father, but it's still really hard. And it's still full of, uh, and I can share myself, you know, not just the physical exhaustion that Manpreet's saying, I'm sure you still feel, but but this sense of just, you know, parenting is, somebody said to me, it's like ripping out your heart and putting it out there. And there's only so much control of what you can do out there. And you're always, you know, I'm not a worrier about most things in life, but I, I worry about my children. I worry about this, this, this. And when I'm done worrying about one thing, I worry about the next thing. And, and, I, and I look at my parents and I'm like, it's not going to change, <laughs> but but as we go forward, for any of you, what's what's the kind of stuff that is really hard for you right now? Or maybe sharing, like, what's the part that you're kind of saying? I'm really trying to balance this or trying to figure this out. What's what, what's the part that is still, um, you know, uh, still work in progress for you right now? And, and this goes to anybody now. I, the next ones are for anyone. So maybe I'll hop in. Um... I was thinking about some of the com uh, the comments earlier about how it's um, it's a living process. Um, so part of the part of the task of parenting is to prepare your children for independence. Um, and so there are these ages and stages they go through, and you have to up your parenting game every time they go on to that next stage, right? Because they are ready to move on to. So for Manpreet Singh, it might be that your child you're going to have to start baby proofing if you haven't already. Um, as your child starts to walk, on to, to we're in this stage now where we're thinking about video games and online safety. And then what is adolescence going to be like? What is it going to be like with when our son gets a driver's license? And so it that I think is tricky. And I do this professionally as well. But as a dad, having to to always be up in my game, always talking to other parents, um, uh, trying to keep up in terms of what those strategies can be. And we go through these bumps where. Um, our son kind of outreaches us a bit and then we have to stop and the wife and I have to regroup and read and talk and kind of pull on some of these resources on really now we're at this next stage, what can we do? And then I think that's hard. And I, I think culturally that's difficult also to think of your child moving towards independence where a lot of the the joys of culturally of parenting have, have been stoked around the caregiving that parents do. And so I think flipping that narrative really is trying to take take joy more in the, those first steps away from you, right? And and looking at how they can spread their wings and stand alone as well. So I think that's a tricky sort of balance to think yeah. about. Yeah, no, I, the, this idea of roots and wings has been very important to me. But you know, our, our job as a parent is to give our children the roots of their sikhi, their value, their education, but also give them the wings to fly and just soar. And as five years saying, "Let me or daddy right? And and I often think that we sometimes um, think of the typical Punjabi parent is is deep deep roots keep going deeper and deeper but wings let's I uh, don't need to go that far so how do we how do we encourage this how do we bring our children 
to independence, whether it's, you know, being able to take care of your bodily functions and yourself to being able to earn an income and being able to make a dent in the world. Where's what's maybe I'll pick up a deep thing, maybe a little bit is like, where's the, how have you really encouraged that sense of independence in your children that, that they, that they weren't, that they were really going to find their own space and their own world out there for them. You, you make it sound like I, they needed my permission. Um, mm. <laughs> they, they don't and um, they won't. Um, I'm just happy if they ask me my opinion. Right? And, and you might be saying, well, yeah, that's, that, that's all good and well, Mr. Singh, and I wish children are older, so you're saying that. But no, it was like that when they were 14 too, right? Because, you know, we've talked about this a couple of times, and Manpreet talked about the gurus before. Um, look, as a parent, you talked about you talked about cultivating, right? Creating an environment. And yet, you know, on the one hand, you have Guru Tegh Bahadur and his son Guru Gobind Singh, and you, you mentioned earlier that how much time could he possibly have spent with him? And then you talk about Prithi Chandra, right? And Baba Ramrad. And so, so if, if, if an environment can be created by any one of us, whether it's you or me or Manpreet or Ripadaman, but, if, but even if the gurus created an environment mm -hmm. and it didn't yield what was expected, <laughs> if, if it could happen to the gurus, but then who are you? Who am I? Yeah. Right? I mean, the, the, you know, and, and history, the Sikh history teaches us so much that because, you know, somebody once asked me this question. I was telling one of my children, my daughter, this yesterday. But somebody asked this question that when, when, when the guru... When Guru, when, when Guru Arjan did he feel any pain? Hmm. Did he feel any pain? Hmm. And the answer is, of course he did. Hmm. Otherwise, what, what could he teach us about accepting pain or dealing with pain? Mm -hmm. If he didn't feel pain, if he was beyond mortal and he didn't feel pain, then the, then the whole thing is a scam. Hmm. Of course he felt the pain. So as a father, while there's less written about it, you have to ask yourself, what did, what must have gone through Guru Ram Ji's mind? Right? The struggles of a father, the struggles of a parent. So I think you create the best possible environment you can. Mm -hmm. You give as much quality and you try to stay relevant. I keep saying this word relevant because, you know, if you're not relevant, <laughs> you're furniture. <laughs> right? You're nice to look at. Think about it. Right? And you make sure you don't get it dirty. You kind of tiptoe around it. You clean it every once in a while. But that's all you are. You're not going to the movies with it. You're just furniture. Hmm. Well, I think the best you can do is create the best possible environment. Do it with some level of credibility and integrity. Right? Try not to be a hypocrite. Because we're all hypocrites. Right? All of us. Right? Starting with we were all hypocrites. Right? That's, that's just human nature, right? My mother used to say, don't expect too much. We're just human. Create the best possible environment. Be honest. Put your best foot forward. And hope for the best. Uh, well said. Well said. Um, question for each of us is, uh, and this kind of came up in there about managing all the different roles we have to play. You know, um, it was in a way it was always um when i was younger it was convenient i used to call it kind of the three-legged stool of like i could you know i have to ma i have to manage kind of myself uh my career my community and my family 
and family was all kind of one because it was there. And then, you know, you got married and there's one other person and your parents were there. But, but more and more now, we all play so many roles uh, in our lives. And especially during COVID, if you live, I live in a multi-generational house. So I'm the, 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 the son, uh, the husband and the parent all at once. And right now I'm the son-in-law, right, as well. My, and, and my sister lives nearby, so I'm the brother, but I'm also the mama. We play all those roles in our family. And then all the community and everything we do. So the word self-care comes up often, right? And what that means. And, and you know, I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not a big golfer. I don't, ha- I don't have those escapes. I don't have the luxury of that. But I, I try to take care of myself. And I've just, as all of you have been going through this, I'd love for you to just share a little bit, a little bit about the struggle. But more importantly, like, how have you been keeping yourself sane? What's been, you know, how has Siki grounded you? What's, what's been the routine there that, so that we can show up? You know, so when the time is there, we actually are engaged and can put the quality into it to make it happen there. So I, I haven't heard from Unpreet then, but maybe start first from you and love the others to chime in as well. Yeah, no, look, it's a, it's a good question. And I think ultimately the point is a valid one, which is how can you expect to look after other people if you're not looking after yourself to some degree? Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think you know, in terms of how you manage your time, because ultimately it is around time management is you do need to make sure that you're also continuing to invest some time in yourself because that's also what's going to enable you to become, you know, a better husband, a better father, a better son, you know, at the same time. And so I think, you know, what I've tried to do from a personal perspective is, you know, I think it's important to maintain your health because healthy mind, healthy body. So for me, I think some form of exercise regime is incredibly important and maintaining that degree of physical you know rigor you know even even during that period in the early year in the early months where you know you're getting very limited sleep and it's all hands on deck but i think maintaining some degree of of exercise and keeping your health in a good in good state is 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 very helpful and then you know i think it's important to have some sort of interests or passions that you maintain because it was interesting hearing you know ripadaman and bhakti talk about it earlier but you know this whole idea around your preparation for for what to do when when the kids ultimately leave. I mean, you do see emptiness syndrome as the thing with a lot of people, right? Which is you sort of construct your entire life around the children. And I've seen this happen to some degree, you know, with, within my own family. You know, you you know, you do need to make sure that you've got something within your life outside of your children, in addition to them. Obviously, they're the priority, obviously they're a focus, but ultimately you are looking to bring up your kids at some point so that they do have that ability to go out and live their own life. And I think that's where I've seen a lot of, you know, elder people within our community at times struggle is, is, you know, navigating that change can be challenging for them for a number of years. And so I think maintaining some degree of interest in hobbies that are important to you, you know, to Badeep Singh's, you know, point, you know, having some degree of fulfillment in the work that you're doing day to day and bringing yourself, I love this idea of, you know, bringing your sickie into that workplace and maintaining that. And then also making sure that you look after your health. I think these are all prerequisites. And then, yeah, of course, look, the sickie, the sickie component, I think helps enormously because it enables you to take a step back, see that bigger perspective, ground yourself, understand also that for all the problems that you may think that you're having, you know, life is ultimately transient and a magical thing. And, you know, it's important for us, I think, to have that sense of gratitude even being a father itself is a privilege and being in that position where we're able to enjoy that I think it's something that we need to be thankful for and I think when you feel thankful for the things that you have that then does change your perspective on some of these struggles or some of these stresses that you may be facing day to day yeah well said Uh, Rupa what are your thoughts 
to around self-care. Um, I think so much of that is built into principles. And I think we've been really thinking more about that recently, but certainly I know from a clinical standpoint, when we talk about, um, about self-care, mm-hmm. so much of this resonates as well with everything I've been taught at home over the years, the importance of, you know, sleep hygiene, waking up early, um, right. Having those routines, building in time for Simran or mindfulness, however you want to call it, right. That time to, to be reflective, um, as well, the importance of eating well, but eating together, um, as well we know is, is good for us. And then also reaching out to those, those that we consider to be a part of our Sangeet, whether it's friends, family, brothers, um, those people that are a part of our shared experience as well, and taking that time um, to be present when you are. I think when we, with that bigger question around how do we balance this with all of the roles that we have, some of that, some of, I think, our responsibility is also to, to model that self-care, um, which can be tricky. Um, and I know that for, for kids who often will idolize their, their, their fathers growing up, it's important also um, um, to, to show them how that balance can be, how they can be a part of that. I think that's one, one strategy around that balance as well. So if it is, um, Seba, that, they're, they're, that they can be a part of, um, can they learn um, from you alongside you, be a part of that experience, watch you struggle or fail and recover? Because I think when I think about what would I think of um, – as, as terms of indicators of success in fatherhood, um, I think about resilience. And so, and one of the best ways to learn that is by watching someone else model that for you as well. So I think those are, those are important features that I try to think about and particularly over the last year and a half where we've been, um, close quarters. Yeah, that's true. But deep Singh, any reflections for me on this? Um, I, I think that, um, I, I think we've had, you know, a couple of different parts of COVID. Um, the first, uh, the first four or five months when we were all sitting at home was different than what, what's happening right now. A little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of, you know, getting old has kind of settled into what we do today. Mm. Um, I think what, I think when it started, the whole idea of everybody being in the house, you know, like, <laughs> like every other American family, we made sourdough bread and because um, that was the most baked event, uh, baked item in the country. Everybody was into that and, and barbecue in the summertime. And I think we went through all of that. Um, I think the, the discussion, I think the, the most interesting that's happened during this entire time, you know, so we've, you know, everybody's done the whole walking bit and, you know, everybody, you know, taking care. I think, I think that's all fine. I think we've all done a bit of that. Um, but I think we've had, we've had some really interesting dialogue and discussion in the house. Mm-hmm. And conversations about what's happening because it hasn't been just right. I mean, COVID is just. I mean, if you think about the last fifteen months, it's not just COVID. So much more has happened yep. as a stick, right? As a as an American for us in this country. Um, so if you think about the entire Black Lives Matter, so this all happened at the same time. Lots and lots of discussion. The entire the the farmers event in India, right? Lots and lots of discussion. Um, the whole idea of COVID coming back in India. Yep. And and good Lord, look at what the six have done. Yeah, I mean, look at what this the pump has done, right? I mean, there isn't. I mean, oxygen lungers. I mean, what is? I mean, what even? What what is that? I mean, where where does this come from? Yep. And so the magnanimousness and the hugeness of the situation and what's happening in the world, COVID is merely what triggered a lot. But quite honestly, the world is going through this massive, massive transformation. In terms of how we think about life, how we think about priorities, there's all sorts of studies that will be done about the social things that changed in terms of, 
you know, people watching, what they watched, how they spent their time, number of children being born, divorced. I mean, you name it, all sorts of things are happening. Yeah. And within the Sikhi diaspora, the name that the Sikh Panth has made for itself, selflessly, has just been tremendous and it's just been humbling. So that that discussion, the dialogue, and you know, my mother used to always say, Putra, one of the biggest things she said, Dunya Chik, Badi Badi problem. Ki bichar Right? Discourse, discussion. And um, and I think that's, so if I had to actually summarize it down to one thing, I would say the whole idea of the child yeah. and the whole idea of idea sharing and discussion, what are we learning out of it? How it's impacting my son is dramatically different than how it impacts my daughter, dramatically different than what impacts my daughter-in-law and dramatically different than how it impacts me and my wife. Yeah. So I think that whole idea of child and understanding and by virtue of this, how is life going to be different as we go forward? That I think has been the biggest thing for me and our family. Fantastic. I, I, I couldn't agree more to this. Um, you know, for us growing up, uh, uh, you know, in the 80s, 90s and stuff, there was such a dearth of contemporary role models for us. You know, it was all very historic and it was the figures around 1984, right? Um, but we looked around, there wasn't anybody contemporary in the U.S., especially in, in Canada, U.S. UK had a little bit. Uh, mostly it was this Sardar Peter Singh that was trying to be the Elvis impersonator, but there wasn't many, there was there wasn't a lot more. You know, we we didn't see visibility, and it was finally when we started seeing those. But I look now at my children, I said the just the plethora of amazing role models that are actually accessible. You know, you mentioned Gurbir Virji. You know, he came up to Toronto a few years ago. My son's got to spend time with him. You know, Foja Singh has come through. Like you look at people in all these different walks of life that are are becoming so successful. And and the six on the ground do this has really been the upside I think of social media and these is that there's so many great stories that my kids are telling. They're like, Daddy, did you see this? Did you see them doing this? You know, I'm sure like some of you, you know, every night our viewing in our house was let's sit down and watch the latest Kassan song that had come out. Right? <laughs> it was all of a sudden my kids were more interested in stuff than I was. They were drawing into it, and I think there's been this real value that they can go, uh, they can become seekers of their own. And our job is to kind of give them the tools and, and they can kind of go on their own journey in that there. So I think there's a real sense I'm getting from you, Pabdeep, is that, you know, our, we create the space and, and let them flourish and they kind of go their own journey there. So we have a few no, more. Don't, um, don't forget that guy, Kulbir Singh, huh? He's, um, he's apparently pretty cool. I'm, I'm one of those uh, good from far, but far from good kind of guys. Merely speculation. <laughs> I understand he's pretty cool, too. Uh, thank you for that. So, I, I, you know, we have a few more minutes left, so I, I, I'll see some of the other questions come in. But um, uh, a couple more things I want to talk about is, uh, one, if you're comfortable sharing it, is is I think all of us are uh, have very strong partnerships uh with our with our spouses in this journey and and that you know we're just speaking today you know i think we've done mother uh mother's day sessions as well at sikri and, and father's day and it's we're really just one side of the coin right now right and and most of us would humbly say the lesser side of the coin but but how's the uh maybe just speak if you i'll start with Manpreet again or we'll talk a little bit about you know how your relationship with your partner has changed and how are you seeing your partner in a different light seeing i, I can all i think we can all moment see the moment where our, our wives became moms, right? And the transition in their, in their lives and their eyes. And all of a sudden we're not the apple of their eyes. You know, we're not the most important thing in their life anymore. It's, it's something else, but, but how does, how does that transition gone for you? And what's the respect or the relationship that you've had with your, with your partner? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, look, I think it's been fantastic. I think it's been a privilege to be able to, cause it, you know, the lockdown meant has, has meant that 
been able to spend a lot of time with my daughter, but it's also meant that I've been able to spend a lot of time with my wife. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the two kind of go hand in hand. And I think it's been great. I think it's been fantastic for our relationship, you know, being able to spend that time with her, being able to see, you know, what she went through, you know, through the birth. Because I think sometimes we forget, you know, childbirth is not a simple, uncomplicated manner. You know, it's it's incredibly traumatic for the mother, you know, from a health perspective, you know, if you go back in history, you know, it was it was fatal for, for many, many women. You know, it's a huge biological process that they have to go through and seeing her manage that, recover that, you know, the bond that she's built with the child and then us working together collectively to 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 bring the kid up. And look, as you say, it's a, it's a proper partnership. And I think I'm going to touch on one of the points you sort of mentioned earlier, which is, you know, you, you sort of talked about, you know, how do you how do you think about raising a daughter? You know, because we obviously we have a baby girl and. I think one of the things that's probably most pertinent to that is she's going to see how do I interact with her mum? You know, what's the nature of our own relationship? Because I'm modelling to her, you know, how women ought to be treated. So I think, you know, that is also very much at the forefront of my mind. And, you know, I think I have got an immense respect for my wife and, you know, what she's been through and the way in which she's connected with the child and, you know, the, the the stresses and the difficulties that a mother goes through, which which are, you know, fundamentally they're very different to a man. It's not our body which is which is having to accommodate the child, grow it, and then deliver it, and then deal with the aftermath. And I think, you know, I, you know, being there day in, day out after that process, I think it's enabled me to get a degree of colour into that that perhaps I wouldn't have seen if I'd done the customary two weeks of paternity leave and then back in the office, you know, five days a week. So yeah. I think it's been it's it's been great, not only in terms of the relationship with the child, but also my relationship with her. Very well said. Good, good. Ripadam, any thoughts? It's really interesting. We've talked about this earlier at home as well, around how this it's almost like motherhood starts a bit earlier than fatherhood does, right? With those physiological changes, it doesn't become quite as real often for dads until I think for me it was when we felt the baby kicked and I could actually feel it. Um, and so, I, and even then, it was more so when our son was born. So, watching that transition and how also that experience for our partners or wives is. It, I feel like that redefining of personality or, or persona um, is is greater for women, just in the way of how society works right now. That transition into motherhood um, seems like it's 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 a bigger deal, and I think so much of that is based on how society kind of looks at those gender norms and what happens afterwards as well. Um, so I feel like that that experience is is quite imbalanced, right, and compared to what it's like for fathers. But for for my wife and I one of the, the the conversations that's really been evolving over time from a Sikhi standpoint is really how do we define ourselves? Because now we have a little person asking us questions um, questions that we may not have answers to, questions we didn't have access to answers to when we were growing up, again, 80s and 90s, where the, the, there wasn't um, access to those resources. And getting to think a little bit of, you know, what are things that we would do differently from what our parents did or were able to do or had the access and resources to be able to do as well. So I think in that way, it's been really nice to reflect together, to um, to disagree, um, to kind of explore, right, um, those various pieces. And the other thing that's been interesting recently, and I would wonder um, if uh, Beep Singh Baji has something to say about this, is as we reflect on, we have a nine-year-old right now, but as we think about what empty nest sort of stages will look like, because even now during the pandemic, our son's been spending 
long periods of time with grandparents um, or away from us, or even just, you know, doing video games or very virtual school away from us. And we have more time together um, and thinking about, so is this what this is going to be like in it, um, mm-hmm. down the road, right? And kind of thinking about the evolution of our relationship together um, as well. So I think um, there's there's some really interesting things to reflect on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. But Deep Singh, uh, you know, going from husband and wife to mother and father and, and that journey there, you're kind of, you were an empty nester, I think, for a little bit there. And then now you're a full house again. And then soon, Lee, so reflect on the journey with uh, the, the marriage side of things, the, the partnership. Yeah. Um, many, many years ago, and my, um, my son must have been about a year old, we were going to Kirtan, and um, Ajivan Singh was there. Hmm. And um, so my mother said to me, Bacha, Kirtan ja ho, milkyana, miladana. We went to the Kirtan, and Ajivan um, Singh did Kirtan. And uh, after the Kirtan, I, you know, took my son in my arms, and, and I very excitedly. <laughs> went up to Pai Jeevan Singh and I said, you know, and we knew, you know, our family had known Pai Jeevan Singh. I said, Pai Sab, Sada Beta. He just, um, he looked and then he looked around and he said, Bachchidi Ma Kithi Hai. I said, Pai Sab, Ma, Ma, and he said, Bachchidi Ma Kithi Hai. I'm thinking, <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> and um, so I went and got Manbi and um, I said, okay, hey, and he said, Bibi tu pakla. So I, and I'm thinking, okay, this was supposed to be me, but all right, fine. <laughs> um, so my wife, Manbi in health, said one thing. And then he looked, and then he rubbed his head, hand over my son's forehead, and he said, Puta mata ki asis. Hmm. And well, I was, as I'm telling, I'm getting goosebumps now, as I'm telling you the story, I'm getting goosebumps that you know, the lesson of, uh, of how Sikhi intertwines in so much of everything that we do. And, and that every time, every time, I mean, I, I've sung that Shabbat a hundred times since, and every time I think of that, I remember Pai Jeevan Singh saying, Ki puta mata ki asis. Because it's not just puta mata ki, it's puta mata ki asis. And I think that, uh, Kulbir sums it up um, quite well, um, just recognizing and appreciating and understanding. And I think, Rupadamanji, I think the, the emptiness piece, check back with me in a year, um, right now we got a full house and, um, you know, but, um, but I imagine, I imagine that, um, like anything else in life, there's lots of self-discovery, there's lots of phases in life. I keep, but the, the older I get, the more I realize that life is a series of phases and we go through journeys and we go through multiple journeys. Um, some of them together, some of them alone. And, um, part of that is trying to figure out which is which and, um, what takes priority when. Excellent. Thank you, Virgie. Um, we're, we'll move to close in a couple of seconds, but a, a couple of questions have come to the chat that I want to make sure that we uh, touch on. Um, there's been, uh, and I think Rupa Daman, given the work you've done and you can do a, feel free to do a shameless plug for Punjabi Kids Health uh, through this answer, but um, a couple of questions have come through around helping our children deal with tough emotions, with moods, with mental illness, uh, you know, when, when that that's certainly a situation in our community and not just diagnosed, but just just everything with COVID and stuff like that. And so maybe you can speak to that, and then I'll give you a second question on that because um, I know that there was actually a TikTok on this you did about um, 
father figures who are going through their own challenges, things like, you know, alcohol abuse, substance abuse in our, in our community are rife as well, and the impact that's having on the children in the way. So take, take a little bit and just weave, the, weave those two things together for us. Sure, yeah. So, um, so in terms of Punjabi Kids Health, like you mentioned, so it's an online uh, family support resource we've tried to create. So it's on Instagram at Punjabi Kids Health. We're also on TikTok and Facebook. So I think between the various channels, we're at about 30,000 followers. Um, it's English and Punjabi information um, that is brought to the online community from people who um, uh, talk like you, look like you, um, have some lived experience, and we're, we're trying to bring evidence-based information from regulated health professionals. And it's everything from picky eaters in the early years up to adolescents, uh, mental health. Um, this week, we're going through uh, paternal mental health. Um, as well as part of um, Father's Day, so it's 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 tricky those those conversations within um, our religious community, within our ethnic community, um, to talk about um, mental health. Um, and so, generally, I think for mental health, developmental health, I would say it's not something you want to wait and see about. Um, it's really important to reach out for help, whether it's within your sangha, within your um, your networks that you have, or with a healthcare provider. Um, but really important, including for our, our little ones as well. So if you have concerns there, and in particular, I'd be thinking about things like changes in um, their eating habits, their sleeping habits, their mood, the way in which they interact with others. It's important to, 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 to look at some of the resources that are out there. Um, so much more that's out there now that is accessible online, virtual, pandemic-proof and safe, and also culturally tailored as well, um, thinking about what our households may be like and what some of those those experiences might be like as well. So really important to, to reach out there. Um, and likewise, we know that we have parents or other folks at home who are having mental health um, challenges, whether it's with mood, anxiety, um, addictions or substance use, there are multi-generational impacts of that. And some of that has, has been exacerbated within our community because of our own experiences with um, intergenerational trauma and the various experiences that that do echo through generations, but it's really important, again, to, to, to take a look at some of the resources that are out there, um, try to do it, you know, to have some of these conversations where we can in safe spaces, understand that there are um, a lot of um, um, a lot of resources out there. And once, once you have those initial conversations and break through that stigma, um, I think you'll find that there are other folks with shared experiences and there are a lots of, lots of interventions that work um, to help you overcome those challenges. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's uh, been my experience time and time again. Every time I think I can, I'm the only one going through something, you just you share, and the world, the universe opens up, and there are so many resources out there. And I think it has to be the first step is acknowledging it and, and starting the conversation with somebody. Right. So absolutely good. Good. We only have a couple minutes left, so I'm going to um, uh, ask each of you to kind of answer the question. I'll go in reverse order from for, uh, from our you friends the UK to the US uh, uh, and then back to Canada. Here is that. Um, Looking back, it's it's you know uh, you've done some things right, uh, and probably like me, you've learned uh, you've done a lot of things wrong <laughs> that have taught uh, taught you some things. So speaking uh, back to your uh, day one as a father, uh, you know you know the day that you come into fatherhood, what what would be the the piece of advice that you would kind of give yourself the the thing to avoid, the thing to do, the thing to make sure you focus on? What, what would that one kind of 
reflection be to somebody uh to that new father coming into the world that's uh that's <laughs> scared shocked and clueless as i was on that first day there so uh what would your uh, last words would be yeah i mean it's a good question because babies don't come with instruction manuals um so, so, <laughs> so there aren't anything to read when you take them out look i would say i would say look stay in jagdi kala like every child is different your experience is going to be different work together with your partner together the pair of you will get through it like you know for us it was particularly difficult because of the fact that it was through the lockdown and we couldn't even have family or friends over um and so we were really i mean we didn't know what we were doing but it was fine <laughs> ended up okay i mean i might need to have this conversation with you again in 20 years time to to confirm <laughs> that point but but you know it will be for the best you know i think at times we can you can over worry and you can overthink things and i think in this world with the amount of resources that are out there they're a huge blessing but don't let them become a curse because you're always double guessing yourself or thinking about what it is you need to do so you know do what you need to do do the research and you know just trust in hukum and good is good for for the rest wonderful thank you pavdeep singh what would you, would your words of wisdom be i would say that um you know i mentioned earlier about parenting fatherhood being a marathon not a sprint. Mm. You do your best. Uh invest what invest as much as you can. Then have some faith. I um I considered my privilege and honor to be the son of Ujagar Singh and Gobind Kaur. But I also considered my privilege and honor to be the father of Satwan Singh Kiranjit Kaur and now Hanisha Kaur. And <clears throat> and just as over so many years my parents my parents honored that relationship my children honor me and they make me proud with small things and big things mm-hmm. and i think you have to just be able to see that mm-hmm. and and that's what you know to whatever extent i can that's what i try to do i would say i think manpreet's right don't stress it do the best you can have some faith mm-hmm. have some faith you know my mother every once in a while when i'd say this this isn't right and my <laughs> my mother would smack me on the head she said to apne aap ko samajhda ki hai rab hai na exact word tu apne aap ko samajhda ki hai rab hai na rab thank you no my um, my mom often says she goes you know ardas te ch badi barkat hai jithe jithe thoda dimag ਖੜੀ ਜਾਂਦਾ ਜਿੱਥੇ ਥੜੀ ਆਕਲ ਮੁੱਕ ਜਾਂਦੀ ਆ ਜਿੱਥੇ ਜਿੱਥੇ ਗੂਗਲ ਬਾਬਾ ਵੀ ਜਵਾਬ ਦੇ ਨਹੀਂ ਸਕਦਾ ਉੱਥੇ ਅਰਦਾਸ ਹੈ ਉੱਥੇ ਰੱਬ ਦੇ ਵਿਸ਼ਵਾਸ ਰੱਖਣਾ ਦੀ ਅਰਦਾਸ ਹੈਸ ਐਜ਼ ਅ ਸਿਕ ਇਜ਼ ਅ ਵੈਰੀ ਸਪੈਸ਼ਲ ਪਲੇਸ ਐਂਡ ਆਈ ਥਿੰਕ ਥੈਟ 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 ਸੈਂਸ ਆਫ ਫੇਥ ਐਬਸੋਲਿਟ ਇਜ਼ ਇਜ਼ ਅ ਹਿਊਜ ਪਾਰਟ ਆਫ ਦ ਇਟ ਇਜ਼ ਅ ਲੀਪ ਆਫ ਫੇਥ ਸੋ ਰਿਪਦਮਨ ਵਾਟ ਆਰ ਯਰ ਥੌਟਸ ਕਲੋਜ਼ਿੰਗ ਯਾ ਆਈ ਥਿੰਕ ਬੋਥ ਆਫ ਵਾਟ ਵਾਸ ਜਸਟ ਸੈਡ ਰੀਲੀ ਰੈਜ਼ੋਨੇਟਸ ਵਿਦ ਮੀ ਆਈ ਆਈ ਵੁਡ I would say it's it's important to concentrate on the journey not the destination. I know we say that a lot, but parenting is very much a journey um and we can't always be thinking about that end product, right? So so much of that is what happens along that journey. The bumps in the road are tricky, they may be embarrassing, they may be hard for us, but those are learning opportunities for us and also teaching opportunities for our children as well. So I think it's important to I think yeah jardikla as a part of that journey right is what's going to carry you through um and um thinking about it doesn't have to be perfect it, it, that's that's part of where the learning comes from right is um really what taking that time to pause to reflect on those experiences and be present during that time is the most important thing and i don't know if i understood that a few years ago um in the same sort of way especially like 
when we were in our early stages of parenting, where it was all about, you know, how many, how many dirty diapers do we have today? How, what, how many grams of, of whatever, of, of what we gain, all of that stuff. Um, but then even that is a part of the journey. We look back fondly on it. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, just honoring, honoring each step of that is so important. Yeah, sounds like you've gone from the science of parenting to acquiring the the art of parenting yeah, as you go through. So, so uh, thank you all three of you, Vujis. Uh, it's been, I, you know, the, the time has flown by. Um, I did take a bunch of notes and and lots of reflections from each of you around how how to approach uh, the role of fatherhood, of being a parent, of still being a son. Uh, you know, taking the inspiration from our parents, creating that environment, um, doing everything we can. Uh, not taking ourselves too seriously. I, I, we very, very judiciously avoided all dad jokes in this conversation. So I'm, 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 I'm surprised because <laughs> that usually n- none of us can do that. Um, but, 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 you know, uh, with that sense of kind of uh, levity and humor, I think we, we kind of reflected on that's, that's many our roles, not take ourselves too seriously, not take the kids too seriously, not take the role too seriously. Um, and it's a game of averages, doing the best you can uh, with the time that we have. And it's, it very much is like them and hook them. Uh, we we put in our hardest effort uh, day in day out, and at the end, the uh, hokum is is sweet, regardless of what the outcome is. What exactly what we wanted in what way, and and often in life, the the exact thing we wanted would you know is not how it turns out, but what we what we get is is something that we we can accept and find meaning. And so, so thank you all for uh, great insights, um, your time, your openness, and sharing about your family there. Thank you to our listeners who uh, chimed in with some great questions and insights uh, there. You know, at, at the Sick Research Institute, uh, which have been a pleasure of being a part of in various ways for, you know, almost 15 years, that those words that Babdeep Singh said about being relevant, mattering, uh, is exactly what uh, Sikri's mandate is, is how do we make sure that Sikhi can matter in your life, that that a, we Sikhi can provide you with the tools, the resources um, to be relevant in your life. And Sikri is just a vehicle for that. Uh, and what we provide in programming like this and everything else we do for for um, for young people, for parents, for children, we want to be there alongside uh, as you work uh, closer to the guru and, and bring make yourself a guru-inspired person. So thank you, everyone, for your time today. Uh, with that, I will pass it back over to Minder Kaur to close the, the webinar. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I'll close this out today. Uh, on behalf of Sikri, I'll echo what Govirji has already shared, but I think uh, today's wonderful panelists for their insightful conversation, for everyone who joined us, who stayed with us for this hour and a half on a beautiful Saturday morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are. Uh, I know I appreciated being a fly on the wall in this conversation, and I'm sure we'll all be thinking um, about this conversation and the relationships and the conversations that we have or have had with the father figures throughout our lives. Um, as always, a recording of this webinar will be available within 24 hours. And lastly, don't forget to tune into the SickCast, a podcast produced by SickRe, where we explore the various issues and events affecting SICKS worldwide. Thank you for joining today's webinar. Today's webinar will be ending now. Bye, Gujika Kalsa. You are listening to SickCast by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path.